Welcome to Midnight Donatella's Discussions on Creativity with Kate Morin. I'm lucky enough to work with amazingly creative people, and I am fascinated by artists' creative habits. Initially, these conversations with friends were recorded for my own reflection, but enough people asked about them that this podcast was born. Our first interview is with Mark Seidenberg, co-executive producer and supervising story editor of Disney Junior's Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Mark wrote on the shows that majorly influenced me as I was growing up and made me want to be a storyteller. Shows like Muppet Babies, DuckTales, Adventures of the Gummy Bears, Hysteria, The Emperor's New School, as well as many others. You can find Mark online on IMDb. The link is in our show notes at midnightdonatellos.com or anchor.fm forward slash midnight dash donatellos. Mark doesn't use social media. I learned a lot from Mark, and I hope you will too. Let's listen in on the conversation. Hi, I'm Mark Seidenberg. I'm the co-executive producer and head writer of Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Mark. Sure. Um, Now, we have a lot of questions because I was going over your IMDb. Yes. And I think you've written like over a thousand scripts easily. (laughs) I have written a lot. You know, when I began writing, I actually used to keep a list of it. But once I got over 100 scripts, I just stopped doing it. Wow. When did you know you wanted to be a writer? Well, the thing is that when I was a kid, I used to draw little comic books and write little stories. And really, it wasn't until way after college that I realized I could actually make a living telling stories. That's great. Did you always know that you wanted to work in animation, or did you try other writing? No, I mean, originally... When, when I was in college, I actually majored in sociology. Oh, wow. Although I was interested in so many other subjects, history and <laughs> literature. And when I got out of college, I wanted to do something that uh, was really important to me, and that was to go to art school because <laughs> I loved drawing. And I also was, you know, from a, being, a, you know, a little kid, doing little drawings, starting with Mickey Mouse. You know, he was one of my first characters that I drew. Oh, wow. And, you know, I used to copy things out of the comic books and all that. And um, I always had this desire to really be a cartoonist. And so after college, I actually went back to school again and Mm -hmm. went to art school and learned all the basics, all the fundamentals, color theory, perspective, anatomy, and all that. But then I took a cartooning course. Mm-hmm. And at the college that I was going to, well, it was the San Francisco Art Institute, yeah. um, they had an animation class. And I took the class, and I got bit by the animation bug. Oh, wow. And I was making my own little films. Mm-hmm. But at some at a certain point, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to go to Los Angeles, because that's, the, for me, the capital of animation. Sure. And um, when I came to LA I soon discovered that I could actually make a living writing scripts oh that's amazing so that's when that's when that started and since you did have that interest in art do you find that your writing is very informed by like the visual storytelling absolutely I mean one of the things that we did in film school was that uh, we would watch cartoons without the sound Mm -hmm. because if you can tell a story without any words then you know you're really hitting the you know the right universal point in in storytelling that you can tell a story with with 
I mean, if you can tell a story without words, you're doing pretty good. That's great. That's a great idea. I haven't tried that. Yeah. And it's also a way of learning how to edit also. Sure. Uh, because you're not being distracted by, you know, what's the plot, you know, yeah. just how do you visually get your point across. And I also want to touch back on um, the other schooling that you did, too. Do you find that your other interests, like your sociology and your history and all of these other varied interests, that they help inform your writing as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, studying what you enjoy. Because mm -hmm. uh, you never know where ideas come from. People always ask me, where do your ideas come from? And, you know, I think it's really, it, it's like being open to so many different subjects sure. that um, it becomes part of my con my consciousness, you know. Yeah. And when I'm coming up with stories, I'm sometimes amazed at some of the, let's say, uh, themes that I'll start writing about. And it is based on whether I read, uh, you know, Norse mythology. Uh, right. Tolkien, I mean, you know, just so many, yeah, well, just even uh, the history of the world. So and I think it's all important to have lots of information floating around in your head. And I think um, certainly your, uh, your credits list touch on that because it is not easy to write for television where you have a very short a short schedule you have to hit deadlines constantly and it's like a never-ending process I've been seeing that firsthand um, but also sure. like to come up with so many stories that's amazing <laughs> that well, is absolutely amazing you know um, I like working on shows that I would like to watch you know yeah and so when I'm working on a show I'm really involved I'm emotionally involved and um, I find it just really it's a challenge it's always a challenge no matter whether I'm working on a comedy show or, let's say, a more action-adventure show, mm -hmm. it's, it's always a challenge to me. Can I come up with something that I haven't done before? Yeah. And that's what it really keeps me going. And I think that um, a lot of times people don't understand how difficult it can be in writing for um, animation because it isn't just about the action and the laughs. It's also about the heart. Well, for, for me, it is, I mean, it is the heart, but yeah. it, it starts with the character. Sure. And that's where you get the heart. You know, you, you can get a lot of emotion in a character and express your own feelings through another character. Right. And really, when I'm watching television, it's not necessarily about the story. It's about, do I, do I really care about these people on screen? Yeah. Do I want to hang out with them every week, especially, you know, on a, on a television series? Mm -hmm. That's why I'm watching, because I love the characters. And I love to see them in different situations. Yeah. But it always, it does, it comes back to the character and the heart. I also wanted to ask you, because I've noticed through all the different credits that you've had. Sure. There's um, writer, there's story editor, there's uh, supervising story editor, yeah. um, and uh, co-executive producer. And what do these titles mean? What do they do? Like, <laughs> how do you start from point A and then get out over to... Well, you know, the thing, as just a staff writer, that's the first position that mm -hmm. a writer will take I always wanted to be involved in you know every element of it yeah but of course you know my job is to write you yeah. know the first job was to write but I was very open to watching what everyone else was doing because I am a very visual person I have edited films before I've done you know some storyboarding and mm -hmm. and all that and um, what happens is that as a writer I want to be more in control of the material Sure. And I realized the very first year that 
that I was working in the business that as a story editor, I, I would have more control over the writing, not just mm-hmm. my writing, but the other writers, um, and that we could really keep a strong vision for the show. Sure. And, you know, I do have a lot of skills, and um, I, I want to use them. And so yeah. writing, which I love doing, um, is really important to me, but that, that's the base. Mm-hmm. Producing is even better for me because then I truly am involved in the shaping of a show, not just the shaping of a story, but the shaping of a vision for the whole show so that uh, uh, I can make sure that the music complements what the writer is doing. Right. You know, that the, that the look of the show is what we as creators intend. That's fantastic. So when the opportunity presented itself mm-hmm. to be to move up, I took it. <laughs> that is great. You know, over your amazing history here, I was wondering if you have a particular favorite. Do you have a particular character that was your favorite that you just really look back on fondly? Well, I mean, Mickey is, he's like my best friend. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, bought, I loved Mickey as a kid. I'm blessed that I get to work with Mickey now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he was always very important in my life. Well, him and Goofy. I love, you know, Goofy's Goofy a fun because, one. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all feel a little goofy at times, and he definitely represents my Goofy side. <laughs> you know, um, I look back on other shows that I've worked on, and my very first show was The Smurfs. Which is amazing. And, you know, and, <laughs> and, and um, I really loved all those characters. And I yeah. also, I mean, I... When I started thinking back on those first shows, Gummy Bears was was wonderful. Oh, that's It was a wonderful great. experience. Yeah. And then, you know, shooting ahead into the future, I love Tuttenstein. Yeah. Which is a show that I'm uh, happy to say that I won an Emmy for. Absolutely. And uh, that, that was a great experience. So I, I look mm-hmm. at, you know, when I look at all the characters that I've worked with, uh-huh. they're like my babies, you know, part of my of family. So it's always hard when people ask you, who's yeah. your favorite? It's like, well, that's like choosing between your kids because they are my kids. Yeah. But, but it's easy to say Mickey and Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of, um, looking forward, like, are there still challenges that you're hoping to tackle and that you want to, you know, like really take on? Well, I mean, right now I am immersed in Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Mm-hmm. And I would say my whole goal is to just make sure that's as great as it can be. Absolutely. And um, so I'm not really looking at the moment for, well, well what's the next mountain to climb? Yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm enjoying climbing this mountain. Absolutely. For our, the Mickey and the Roadster Racer series, um, we're always coming up with, like, uh, new and fabulous things for Mickey and the gang to do and to experience and to see. Um how do you keep the creativity flowing? How do you keep, you know, how do you keep yourself fresh and energized and going you know, in? That's a great question. That's a great question. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago is that I need to have a balance in my work life and home life. Mm-hmm. And I have to make sure that uh, I have time to relax, to do things that don't necessarily use my writing brain or my producing brain. Yeah. And so, but the fact that I, I have a, what I would say a well-rounded life, you know, uh, because I love going to listen to music, I love playing music, I love art, I love movies, um, I love to dance, you know. 
And, oh, I and, didn't know that you danced too. <laughs> well, it's not professional dancing, but you know, <laughs> when there's a good band, my yeah. wife and I like to rock out. And and the thing is that, so I keep myself very active, mm-hmm. and um, I think that helps me be a better creator. That makes sense. And and uh, well, I also have uh, a family. Yeah, I have a, a son and a daughter, and they they keep me pretty lively too. I'm sure, and um, also I know um, I know that with the with the music playing with um, with your music, um, I was wondering if like I noticed that with stories we have a certain pace, a certain musicality to it, sure, um, and with the beats, and I wondered uh, if being a musician, if like just how visually, artistically, visually you can see the picture, if you hear those beats in the story i'd have to say no okay. i mean that sounds okay. great that sounds great i wish i could do that but you know the thing is that when it comes to let's say the timing of a show sure uh, uh the the directors are very much involved in that mm-hmm. and so uh, a lot of credit goes to them to I every mean, they are great they are great editors and and timers absolutely yeah and um i wondered for your writing process because i know that everybody kind of has like their own um, rituals that they go through before writing, um, like they, certain, you know, certain, some people like to have music, but only um, instrumental, nothing with, you know, lyrics or words. Other people they have to hear music that um, is kind of like complementary to the scene that they're writing, or um, sure. like somebody's got their favorite drink that they have to have on hand. Like, what is your writing process like? Re- really. Let's see, when I, have, when I stop and think about what my process is, actually, I've never been good at writing while music was on. I always mm-hmm. used to have a television on. Oh, interesting. Um, not necessarily listening to it, yeah. but just there were images there. I, I, I just got used to doing that. But, I mean, okay. now, currently, I just really need to get what I call, you know, in the zone. Yeah. And, and really, it's just sitting in a quiet place, mm-hmm. and I don't really look, I'm not aware of the time, that's why a lot of times I'm at the office and yeah. then people say, let's go to lunch. And wow, I didn't even realize, sure. you know, that it was like time to eat, you know, because I will actually forget to eat wow. um, once I'm, you know, in that zone yeah. and I'm just writing. And uh, really, though, I don't have any preparation because the thing is that having to work on a staff of a TV show mm-hmm. uh we really we have to just be fast on our feet like early in the morning yeah and because of our you know tight schedules and all that and so i learned a long time ago it's like i can definitely turn it on and turn it off i've never had what people you know will call a writer's block i never okay. understood what that was i mean you can get stuck on a story point sure you know i mean i've gotten stuck on a story point but it's never really I've never been blocked and said, oh, I don't have any ideas. I can't go on anymore. Maybe I'm fortunate in, in that respect. <laughs> but it's like I always have ideas. They may not be the best ideas, mm-hmm. but I always have some idea. you know. And so uh, literally, I mean, I've learned to be very fast on my feet. And so uh, I don't, you know, if someone says the script is due in five days, then yeah. it'll be due. Actually, it'll probably be finished in, in three or four days, right. you know. Um, I just always, you know, have to be ready.
one of the things that I'm always blown away by is um, you, you're still writing scripts for our show, but you're still doing this um, supervising story editing. Yeah. So you have to keep an eye on everybody else's oh, yeah. stories too. Um, how do you juggle that? <laughs> well, again, it's from. I mean, it's it's it takes a let's say years of experience. You know, yeah. it, it just became part of me, which is putting on different hats mm-hmm. uh, very quickly and. I always say to people that, uh, you know, you might be, a writer might be dealing with one story. I'm dealing with 10 stories at the same Mm -hmm. time. But I just have a really good, I guess, computer brain or something, you know, (laughs) that's able to to just, uh, let's say, put them in their little compartments, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes after doing so many stories, like, for instance, on Mickey and the Roadster Racers, we've written over 100 stories. And sometimes, yeah, maybe something sounds familiar to something else we did. You know, that's just a matter. That's going to happen. We're all human and all that. But um, I would just say it's from years of experience of doing this type of work that I'm able to handle all different stories, but still try to stay fresh. Absolutely. Um, And I always find it uh, really cool how collaborative the writing team is. Like everybody, you know, talks things through and kind of... Well, that's like, always been a yeah. very important to me. I like everybody to talk with each other about what they're uh-huh. doing. And I, I've compared it to like having a band, being the leader of a band. Okay. You know, when, when I look at, let's say, a, a group like the Beatles, everyone yeah. is a great artist in their own right. But boy, when you put them together, there's a certain chemistry that's formed by yeah. four different voices. I never want to... I would never want to have a staff where everyone had the same voice. That would be boring to me. That's why, you know, I would never want to write a whole series by myself. I would be bored, you know, if it was just my voice over and over and over. And so I encourage a lot of different people from different backgrounds Mm -hmm. to work on our shows and and have open communication. When I started in the business, it was writers were, were not talking with the artists, which was very odd to me because I started out you know, with yeah. art, you know, and doing my own drawings and inking cells and, you know, and all that. And so I was very surprised to find out when I first came to L.A. in the 80s mm-hmm. that writers were not talking to artists and vice versa. And I thought that was just really odd. But finally, once I started working at Disney, mm-hmm. I found that they encouraged that. They encouraged the writers to, and, and I would always love going to the guy who was doing my storyboard and saying, you know, I'm trying to come up with a gag for these characters, but what would what would you like to do in this scene? You know, and they would tell mm-hmm. me, and it's like, great, that, that made writing the scene much, you know, more fluid, you know, nice. because now I'm talking to somebody who's actually going to be doing the storyboard. Yeah. And now he's getting emotionally invested, you know, in the scene. So, um I thank Disney for encouraging that. And that was when we were working on the gummy bears. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so I've just always, you know, wanted to continue that to make sure that the writers are very involved with what the artists are doing, with what the voice actors are doing. That's why I always like to have the writers going to recordings because I want them to hear the characters living and breathing just like I yeah. do. You know? That's very true. And it makes a big difference too when, like, your words are literally coming alive right in front Absolutely. of your face. Absolutely, and I think it shows. Yeah, I think that's why one of the reasons why making the roads to races is so popular. Absolutely, 
you touched on something that I, I wanted to ask you about because um, you have worked on so many different shows and across different studios. Um, I know that there can be vast differences between writing rooms and like I, I guess also there's a difference in not just studio culture but like a show's writing room culture oh yeah yeah for someone um to kind of like find the right fit it may not just be a particular show it's also the writing room itself is that correct well i mean the the tone of let's say different shows in different writing mm -hmm. rooms you know d does vary yeah uh, um but basically i would say all the all the crews that i've worked with it's always been uh, very let's say uh, friendly you know, mm -hmm. we there wasn't really, the, let's say, the kind of stories that you hear with uh, on live action shows like sitcoms, where people are always trying to get the better joke in and all that. Right. It's like I found, at least in animation, it's much more of a collaborative effort. Oh. You know, okay. I always take the 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 idea that no idea is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, a writer will say, "Oh, oh, I had an idea, but now nah, it's it's terrible. I don't." tell us your idea because the thing is that can spark another idea and all of a sudden we're sharing ideas together and then you f might find a great idea based on just a discussion over what somebody thought was a bad idea that's why i say there's no idea that's a bad idea there's bad execution <laughs> there is that that's good to keep in mind because um, i think a lot of times we we self-edit, especially um, new, newer sure. and unsure writers. We're afraid to speak up because it's like, oh no, they're not going to want to hear it. They're, they're they have a lot of experience, and it's dumb. My idea is dumb. And no, I, see, yeah. I like I say, someone can tell me that they think it's a dumb idea. I go, no, I want to hear it because that might spark something in my imagination. That says, you know, maybe it's not a joke about the elephant falling down. Maybe it's about a mm -hmm. monkey flying. You know. We never know, like I say, where the ideas necessarily come from. And I think they come out of conversation. That's a very good point. And um, I was also wondering if you had any advice for um, people who were interested in starting out as writers. Like, what's a good starting point for them? Well, I mean, I think an important thing is um, read a lot. Mm -hmm. And read a lot of different things, not just always the same kinds of things like you know there was some point where I was really focused on science fiction and that's all I read but mm -hmm. you know I found once I started reading other type of fantasy novels and just going back to the classics I mean you know David Copperfield and you know I yeah. mean so many you know uh, just the classics uh, just to be also not only a well-rounded person but a well-rounded reader mm -hmm. I think you know I had a class once it was in uh, high school where the uh, the the professor made us all, well, the teacher made us all read stuff that we would never in a million years ever read. So all the boys had to read romance novels. Oh, my goodness. And all the girls had to read, like, hot rod, you know, books about hot rods, you know, and all that. Um, and and that was very enlightening to me. Because the thing is that um, um, it's about feeling the emotion in the writer's voice. Mm -hmm. And so these, this, I can't remember what romance novel I had to read, but it's like, but it was a different voice, something I could never write that way mm -hmm. because this was from a, a, a woman's experience. And I think that helped shape me in, in the idea that, you know, it's important to read other people's work. 
Absolutely. You know, people that have different perspectives than than yours, you know. So for starting out, I always say it's really important to read a lot, but it's also important to write a lot. And mm-hmm. what I what I did uh, starting, actually, it was starting out in college. I kept a journal, just a daily journal. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some days I would write, you know, just, you know, a, a paragraph of complaints. Yeah. You know, but then I started jotting down, oh, this is a funny idea, and just jot them down. It wasn't even a matter of that I'm going to go back and look through the journals for those ideas. It's that it keeps your mind moving, mm-hmm. and it and it and it forces you to put some pen on paper. And to this day, I mean, I, I go through cycles now. I don't keep a, I don't keep a daily journal anymore. Um, I, I somehow I sometimes look at my TV schedule. Yeah, that's my that's my journal. That's what I'm doing every day. But every once in a while, though, I will stop and, and just write about the day, mm-hmm. or write down my dreams. That was another. That was an easy way to write every day, to just wake up in the morning and I wrote down my dream or just some scattered image that I remember, oh, and that wow. always kept me writing. But I think it's important for, um, well, uh, a writer who I. I knew who recently passed away, Len Wein, always used to say, a writer writes. I mean, it was just very simple. Yeah. A writer writes. And that that's the basic thing, which is make, you know, reading. Well, to me, it's making reading and writing as natural as breathing. It's just mm-hmm. something you do. You don't think about it. We just do it. Because we love doing it also, you know. Uh, and also, sure. I say, you know, watch it. I mean, I'm always one to say watch a lot of TV, go to a lot of movies, but also, mm-hmm. also have a fun life too. You know, you got to do yeah. fun stuff. But to start out now, um, now today, there's so many options for writing, mm-hmm. and what I would always say to people wanting to get into the entertainment business is you got to focus on one thing. Some people really want to do animation great some yes. people really want to do screenplays i mean look i wanted to do everything you yeah. know but you just can't come in and say oh i want to do this that and the other there's a certain um matter of um focus and mm-hmm. time because there's only so much time in a day yeah so um i'm really interested in animation you know this is you know coming out to la for the first time I'm really into animation and that's what i'm going to do yeah. but still late at night I'd be writing my screenplay you know that mm-hmm. wasn't my main focus but you know I wanted to maybe someday you know after writing every day a little bit for a screenplay you know six months later I'd have a, I'd have a script great so if yeah. anybody ever asked me for a sample of my writing and said well we'd like to see more than just your animation writing what can you do with long form I had a screenplay you know, oh, not a yeah. produced screenplay but mm-hmm. you know or also in my free time I would write a I would be writing a novel because that's something that interests me too. So again, it's just keeping my mind constantly moving. Yeah. But in terms of trying to get work in the in the entertainment industry, I always feel that it's important to focus. If sitcom is your thing, mm-hmm. great. Then that's just spend time targeting that. If animation is your thing, great. Start learning you know, networking with people so you could get into the animation business. Um, you know, if you're into screenplays, great. You know, it's just what's your passion? I always say to people, what is, what's your passion? Right. You know, and even if you say, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that, still there's always one thing that what's your passion mm-hmm. that, you, 
that you would do whether you got paid to do it or not. Because usually at the beginning, you're not paid. No, you have to not at all. have that self-motivation to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I, when I was starting to get paid, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, this is great. People are actually <laughs> paying me to do something that I would do for nothing yeah. because I enjoy doing it. And I think that's always the best way to be. Not think about, don't think about the money. That will come. Or the job, mm-hmm. you know. That yeah. will happen. If you want it to happen, it will happen. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And I actually want to go back and touch on something that you mentioned, because I really think this is important to highlight. I hear so many people say, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I don't have time. I'm tired. Get home. <laughs> you know, and okay. I well, heard you say, you, you write at work. And you write on your own stuff at home? Oh, yeah. What I would do, and, and believe me, I mean, you could tell from, mm-hmm. you know, my resume or whatever, that um, I've been a very busy person. But what I started doing at one point was at 10 o'clock at night. Well, I stay up late at night. I've uh-huh. never been an early, early to bed <laughs> person. 10 o'clock on the dot. This was my schedule. 15 minutes a day. This is all I said to myself. Just from 10 to 10.15. Um, I would be writing my screenplay. And even though I figured, yeah, it, it could take a year before I finish this thing, at least every day from 10 to 10, 15, mm-hmm. I, I will write a little bit. It doesn't matter how tired I am. Everyone has 15 minutes, right? Absolutely. And so sure enough, what happened? Probably after a few days, gee, it was 10.30. I'm writing more than 15 minutes. Yeah. And... And um, let's say, no matter how tired I was, boy, my brain woke up because, hey, I'm back in my story. This is my world. You know, um, I'm doing something fun that I'm enjoying doing. And, you know, within six months, I did finally have a first draft. But, you know, I always go by the fact that everyone has 15 minutes in a day, if that's all you can spare. And you'll be amazed how fast that 15 minutes turns into a half hour and then sometimes an hour. Sure. And then maybe on the weekends, hey, now I could spend all, you know, all afternoon working on my screenplay. Yeah. But I always think it's important to write a little bit every day, whether it's in your journal, whether mm-hmm. it's 15 minutes on your book or screenplay, you know, and you, everyone has the time. Absolutely. I, I'm not good with um, uh, the excuses of I'm too tired because there is coffee. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in coffee. I live for coffee. <laughs> it makes me sad when I hear people who talk about these big dreams that they have and they just seem so overwhelmed by the big picture and they're like, oh, I don't have the time to get there. And oh. I, I'm trying to explain to them that it's like, you know what, as you said, you, you know, when you get home, you're tired, but you just commit to 15 minutes and you'll be surprised how often. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that clock. <laughs> Yeah, just to tell everybody <laughs> that that's my that's my Mustang clock on the hour. It um, has a different sound of a motor. I love that, and it's all the different. The motor sounds are all Mustangs. Yeah, they're right? all Mustangs. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> we can each commit to fifteen minutes. That's not an sure. uh, overwhelming amount of time, and we'll often surprise ourselves with how how quickly that time will pass, yeah. and we'll keep going, and. One thing that I like to point out to people is the time is going to pass anyway. So a year from now, you could have a script. Exactly. Or a year from exactly. now, you can still be saying, I'm too tired to follow my dream. Yeah. Well, you and you were 
talking before about self-editing, how we all have the habit of self-editing ourselves. And it's the same thing with writing. When you're, a, when you're just, let's say, writing, mm-hmm. don't try to think, oh, this is terrible. I mean, every writer, and I, I still do the same <laughs> thing, will finish the draft and go, ah, this stinks. Okay, yeah. so then you start all over. You know, you start revising and all that. But when you're writing, just keep on moving ahead. Don't look back. Just keep on moving ahead. And then when you finish your first draft, okay, then you can tear it apart and start all over. But I've known too many writers who start and then stop, and they don't go back to it. Yeah. No, you had a good idea to start with. Just keep it going, because out of bad will come good. And there's been many times where I'll have finished a script. Mm -hmm. And, well, as a freelance writer, when I first started out, I knew that, let's say it was Monday, yeah. Um, and I knew that the script was due on Friday. And I'd have the script ready, let's say, by Wednesday. And then I would just walk away from it, let's say, for a few hours, and then come back and read and go, oh, this is stiff. I'll actually rewrite. I've writ- rewritten the whole thing from there. And it's a better script. You know? Wow. But um, the key is not to self-edit while I'm writing because then you just stop and start. And you're, you're stopping the flow, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. And also this um, at, this kind of ties into what you're talking about, compartmentalizing. It's like keep the editor hat off until later. Yeah. 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 It's not always easy, <laughs> but you can do it. Um, now, I also wanted to ask you about some of your um, organizing um, systems for your writing. Because like you were, uh, we had talked briefly before about how... Um, you write ideas on cards and then you oh, yeah. like you move the cards around oh, yeah. or you'll carry them with you for a while and add to them. Sure. Yeah, can we discuss that a little bit? Well, you know, I've read like many people all these the fundamentals of writing, you know, screenplay books. Yeah. And really, no matter how many new books come out, it's still always the same, three acts, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um but when I'm writing a story, it's great if I know what the ending is first. And I know this is one of those things. It's it's probably in all the books, you know. And at first, when I was an early, you know, just an up-and-coming writer, I didn't like that idea. Well, why do I have to know the ending first? But especially for the kind of work we're doing in television Mm -hmm. or even in, in movies, it's like it helps to know what your goal is because every scene, every character, every line is going to be about where you're ending up. And if you don't know where you're ending up, then it's a little bit too random. And then yeah. things can happen at random. And so I always say, you know, I I start with the last card. At least I know where, oh, yeah, everyone's mm-hmm. going to be happy at the end. Okay, great, if that's what, you know, the end of the story is. But then I'll start saying, okay, so what are the important aspects of this character that I want to bring out in the story? And I start writing it down on cards. And you know, I start seeing scenes. And so I'll write in shorthand what mm-hmm. those scenes are. Uh, robbery, uh, jail, uh, you know, broken heart and all that. And I have the whole story in my head. I'm, not, I'm still not writing it down on paper. I'm just writing it down on cards. Mm-hmm. And I put them on a huge bulletin board and I start moving them around. And all of a sudden now I'm seeing, oh, this is act one. Here's where Act Two would happen, and well, Act Three is always for me. That's the easiest because we're just wrapping things up, mm-hmm. and um, 
So I always say I write the film or the write the story first in cards. Actually, I don't do that that much for 11-minute cartoons. You know? Right. But if I'm doing a longer form, I definitely will do the cards. And, um, yeah, so, you know, the story starts to shape itself. And then I'll write a treatment or a guide mm-hmm. or what we call a beat outline just to start, you know, fleshing it out, fleshing the story out. And during the beat outline, is that very helpful for, like, where you can kind of look at, okay, this is how the story is progressing. Oh, we have a problem here. Let's exactly. Let's that. And I can also okay. tell, oh, it's taking so long to mm-hmm. have, you know, the big incident that's really going to kick this story off. You know, in an 11-minute cartoon, you know, I always, well, let's say the, the script length, um, let's see, well, our script length currently for an 11-minute cartoon is 16 pages. Mm-hmm. So I always like to make sure that big incident happens, like by page three. You know, right. I, don't, I, I get worried if it's not happening around page three. So, And you can tell that when you're working on a beat outline, depending on what type of show you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you can get a, a really good sense of when you need to start having the action really kicking in. Um, I want to touch a little bit more on the beat outline because I, a lot of frustrated writers I know are pantsers. They want to are, fly. Are they're pantsers. They want to fly by the seat of their pants. Oh. They don't want to plot anything out. Um, they just want to dive in and start writing their screenplay. But then um, they'll hit a snag in the story, or they don't fully understand the character or why the character is right. motivated to do something. And it becomes this huge roadblock and they end up having to scrap everything and rewrite right. or they stop and they never start. Yeah. So this is where um, it's uh, as a knitter, I used to ignore, please knit the, the test swatch of the of the um, pattern uh-huh. to make sure that you have the right gauge so that your sweater is going to look exactly like it does in the picture. Otherwise, you could end up with some unpleasant happenstance after you know three weeks of knitting mm-hmm. and then you end up with a sweater that's the size of a house because you didn't take the time to knit a, a two by two piece of cloth and that's kind of like how i'm starting to look at um, bead outlines because i was a pantser before yeah and now i'm like you know i can save myself so much heartache just taking the time to slow down take uh think about the story and write down these yeah. beads yeah you avoid a lot of problems that way i mean i think it's it's fun to just start writing a screenplay. That's sure. playtime. <laughs> but but you at, at a certain point, you really need to stop and think, okay, what is the story I'm trying to tell and what's the best way to tell it? And that will mm-hmm. tell you what your opening scene is. So, um, you know, there's a few writers who seem to, let's say, flaunt all the rules. Um and I look at like Tarantino. He's one uh-huh. of those right. Like when Pulp Fiction, you know, came out. I mean, he literally threw out all those rules that are in all the books and stuff. But it was always very clear, very clear to me. He knew what the rules were, and that was that's why it allowed him to break them. Because right. there still is a certain structure in his films, mm-hmm. in especially in the early films, that's there. You know, he's not ignorant of you know the way people have told stories from the beginning of time. Absolutely. But he still. He knows. He's got a beat outline in his head when he's writing. He just doesn't sit down and just start babbling. Right. You know, I mean, he has very long monologues in a lot of his films, and that's where he has his playtime. That's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. And maybe, you know, see, that's the thing. When you're playing like that, like just jumping into a story, you can use, you might find, oh, there was a bit of dialogue in there that was really good. Mm -hmm. But it's not really the structure for your screenplay. So even if you're, you know, you can write your beat outline on a napkin. It doesn't have to be that that well detailed. But just have an idea of where you're going. Because that's like, yeah, I guess it's like driving, you're going to drive to Florida without a road map, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, that would be crazy. It's, I guess you'll get there eventually. Yeah, but, but you who know, cares? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, if, um, if current you could give some advice to the just starting out writer you, what would you wish that you had known? What, what would you like, what wisdom would you impart to your younger self? That's funny because the first thing I think of is it was probably good that I was ignorant. <laughs> really? Yeah, because see, um, the thing is that um, there probably were overwhelming odds, you know, at the time that I would actually mm -hmm. be start working for the animation industry. But the, the word no meant nothing to me. You know, it's like I wasn't afraid of somebody rejecting me. I wasn't really aware of, I see, when I, started working in well before i came to la mm -hmm. i just looked at the credits you know on the cartoons yeah and they would have all you know story editor well it would say story editor producer you know there were different yeah. i didn't know the difference between a film editor and a story editor and a producer i mean i really didn't know you know and uh, also this is at a time where there weren't a million books out there about how to get into the business mm -hmm. and all that this again this is in the 80s and so the thing is, my ignorance, I think, helped me because I boldly talked to a lot of people, you know, who were willing to talk to this kid, you know, who, <laughs> you know, because um, it's always fun to talk to people who don't know anything about the business. And, hey, you know, yeah. um, let me tell you about my experience. And I met a lot of those people and it was very helpful to me. I'm glad I didn't know what the odds were against me. Uh, but it's a different it's, it's a different, um, let's say, um, canvas now you know yeah. because there are so many there's so many more people who want to be in the entertainment business and write mm -hmm. for it and draw for it and all that and so um when i still though when i think about the uh, advice was that uh, that i would have given myself which is make sure i had enough money to live on oh. um or a day job <laughs> so that i wasn't just dependent on you know trying to make a living in the animation industry. I was lucky. I was lucky in that uh, uh, my wife had a job mm -hmm. with a regular paycheck. It took a while before I had a regular paycheck. So I wasn't totally adrift. Yeah. You know, but it would have been nicer if, uh, you know, we would have had some money to actually have furniture. Because, um, you know, my yeah. wife reminds me that when we first moved into our first apartment, mm -hmm. we didn't even have a mattress. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah. um you know so it was like yeah that that would have been the first advice make sure i had at least something going on but right. um uh, but yeah i don't really know what other advice i necessarily would have given myself but also it sounds um, like you had a great partner with your wife yeah, oh yes she was yes very and, and also the very supportive and also um I was a very patient person. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I was, oh, I got to get a, you know, I got to do this, you know, get a job right away and all that. I was never like that, you know. I think that a lot of our um, society now has become 
very focused on instant gratification. Uh, um, they they want yeah. things quickly. They want it now, and it's like, oh, I'm uh, my first script is going to be a blockbuster. Uh, you know that kind of thing. Like they, it's no, we're always paying dues, right? I don't think we ever stop paying dues. We're yeah. always paying yeah. it. It's like you paid it yesterday. You're going to pay it today. It's yeah. just like any other bill. It comes due, and we just keep paying. Well, for me, the gratification was that somebody's paying me to write something. Yeah. I mean, and it was just, a, it's a personal gratification that, wow, I finished a script and a year later it's on TV, you and know. How great is it when you um, go out and see like one of the um, Mickey Roads to Race Your Toys out in the wild with a kid. Oh. And they're just like crazy about their Mickey or their Minnie and, you know. I, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I when I went, I was over at the Disney store today buying some toys, mm -hmm. and they were all Roadster Racer toys. And I said to the 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 clerk, I said, "You might notice there's a theme going here." And he goes, "Oh yes, you know." And I go, "Oh well, I work on the Roadster Racers, you know." And he and he said, "Oh, my daughter loves the show, and it felt so good, you know, yeah. to know that we're we're touching people and f not just kids, but families. It's great." Yeah, and that, you know, the whole family can watch and everybody is um, enjoying the program. Yeah. Because I know that there are some programs where it's like the parents will park a small child in front, sure. but th they're not going to watch it. It's for the kid. But, you know. And we're for everybody. You know, so. coming into the business when I did, mm -hmm. I always felt like, you know, the audience could be 10 people who like your show or a million. Yeah. It doesn't matter. At least, I mean, business-wise, you know, for the studio it matters. But for sure. me, it's like, wow, well, if there were 10 people who enjoyed it, I'm happy. That's Because I enjoyed yeah. it, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've been lucky in the <laughs> the fact that some of the shows that I've worked on have, have, have been big hits. But a lot weren't big hits, but I still love them. Because I remember the, the fun of working with those characters. Yeah. So, um, anyway. One of the things I love is um, every day you you come in with new enthusiasm. And, I like to think that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I I find that very inspiring. And I wonder, you know, like um, how do you keep that uh, enthusiasm? Like how do you cultivate that level of you know just like you you or you approach each day with like oh this is going to be awesome we're going to do something great today. I I really think. That kind of drive mm -hmm. is just something I remember having as a kid. It, it's like it's. I'm trying to think of um, a certain movie, but um, it's like we're going to put on a show. Yeah. Okay. You know, even even as a kid, um, like I did, I, w I was into magic, so I did little magic shows for my friends. You know, it was always like. Let's, we're going to do this thing together, you know, and friends, you know, we would do little plays and stuff like this. And I know you've been involved in the same kind of thing where you're with yeah. a crew and, hey, we're, you know, we're all together doing it. And it, there's a great feeling mm -hmm. of we're accomplishing something, you know, even if it's the silliest little movie or or little cartoon strip that you made, you know, or, you know, comic strip or whatever. We're all doing it together. And I think there's that thing about we're on a mission, you know, and and me this is why I work so well with Rob. Hey, our goal is to make a great show. And it's like, yeah. we're on a mission. 
and it's not over till it's over, you know? Exactly. And so I think that's what keeps us going, that we want to just do a really, well, we want to have fun, but we also yeah. want to have a great, you know, show. And I think it shows. It does. It absolutely <laughs> does. And it, um, it also is reflected not just in the show, but also the crew. Like, everybody oh, shows yeah. up and uh, is very excited to be here, happy to be here. And it's a good collaborative team. So Well, also, we're, we're working with Mickey and, and the gang. Yeah. And they're a family, you know. Exactly. It, it makes sense that our family is making, <laughs> you know, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, and Daisy, and Minnie, and all that, you know, um, a just a fun family. And um, before we wrap up, because um, I know that you um, have to go soon also, um, but I, for fledgling writers, I noticed that it can be very difficult to keep um, a sense of resiliency about the craft. And uh, there's like a level of they're afraid to share their work because they are afraid of the criticism and like the criticism, like, breaking them oh you know but if um yeah but at the same time they need a little bit of critique they need to be open to it in order to improve and become better as writers yes so um do you have any advice for them in terms of building that resiliency wow that's a great question um and again i think it's it's through experience mm -hmm. that um no one likes to get notes no yeah. one likes to hear, you know, you have a great idea and you think it's the greatest thing ever and then someone says, it's okay. And you're crushed, you know, you feel bad. But I don't know, at, at a certain point, it's like, for, for, from my standpoint, it's that you can't please every, you know, all the people all the time and yeah. all that. And I, I remember once um, my my mother saying she couldn't stand Woody Allen, you know, who I thought was hilarious, you know, his early films. Yeah. And I thought was, and I thought, how could you not like Woody Allen? And then I realized, well, you know what? Um, everybody has different tastes. Mm -hmm. Woody Allen found his audience of the people who think he's funny, just as you know, um, you know, different. Um, everybody has their own favorite tastes in, let's say, movies or movie stars, you know, or comedians yeah. and all that, and and. And you can't, you're, it's great if you can please everybody. Like, you know, at a certain point, it seemed like the whole world loved Steve Martin, right? Yeah. You know, um, or Robin Williams, you know, and, and all that. But, you know, um, I think at a certain point, you, you just learn to take, to understand where the criticism is coming from. If it's coming from somebody that you respect, mm -hmm. you're not going to feel bad because you're gonna realize they're helping you. If somebody says it out of nastiness, well, my advice is just ignore that, you know? Yeah. Um, and you, you begin to learn that um, maybe your idea isn't gold to that person, but it might be to other people. Yet, there's a certain reality, which is if you're working in a job like what we do, mm -hmm. and the network uh, makes a note and says, no, I don't like your idea, you have to be big enough to say okay i'll try something else yes because if you hold on to that no my idea is better than your idea working in a let's say a, a studio system yeah. um you're not going to get to work on the next thing yeah because then people look at at you as you well you're not into the creative spirit of you know 
compromise, you know. Yeah. And so even if when I get a note that I don't like, I look at it as a cha- as a challenge. How can I still do the spirit of the note, like what they're what the network might be looking for, but still get my own, let's say, voice involved in that. Right. And sometimes magically something better does come out of it, and sometimes not. <laughs> but you have to be able to move on. And I think that um, that openness to collaboration and to um, other voices helps um, helps like elevate a story in I ways so. that we, we it may not have um, gone that direction before. And you know, just being able to be open to other voices yeah. can help improve it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much oh, you're for your quite welcome. time. <laughs> um, any any other questions or? Um, do you have any uh, words of advice that you'd like to uh, leave with our young writers, our fledgling writers? Well, you know, watch a watch a lot, read a lot, write a lot, have fun, and live a lot. Live oh, a definitely, lot. live a full life. Yeah, yeah. Because I um, I have to say that Monday morning um, you always have the best stories from what you did over the weekend like what you saw what you did where you went and you know it just um, I find that really inspiring and I actually took a page from that oh and what'd you do and I created um, my own list I didn't want to call it a bucket list uh-huh. so I'm calling it the apocalypse uh, nice. So <laughs> you know, before the end of the world, Very um, good. and I've been adding to it. And now my goal is to complete at least two items off the list every month. Oh, nice. Yeah, Cause I am usually like very introverted and shy. So it's too easy for me to turn into a hermit. Mm-hmm. But then I, like I said, every Monday morning, you've got the best stories. And I'm like, oh, you great. know what? <laughs> That's if you want to write, you need some experience. You got to go well, absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much. Oh, it was great talking with you. You can help Midnight Donatello's. Support our podcast with a small monthly donation to keep our community going and growing. Go to anchor.fm forward slash midnight dash Donatello's forward slash support. Thank you. Midnight Donatello's is written and produced by Kate Morin. Audio recording engineering by Scott Knudsen. Additional production by Val Patrone. Theme music by Mike Barnett. This is a Wild Hunt Studios production.